Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Remember to use code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets If you don't win your first bet, place your money line, prop, or parlay bets with the king of sportsbooks today. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotion, promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Welcome to the Picture Book Look Podcast. I'm Kim Chafee. And I'm Kirsty Call. Together we'll share some of our favorite picture books and chat with their creators to explore the journey from story idea to bookshelf. We'd love you to join us as we take a picture book look. Feeling stuck in your creative journey? Needing to change your narrative? Everything you want is possible. As a therapist-trained life coach for creatives, I'm excited to help authors like you create clarity and build self-confidence so you can achieve your dreams. Kirstie can help you get the drama out of your life and into your art. Visit kirstiencall.com. That's K-I-R-S-T-I-N-E-C-A-L-L.com and register for a free consultation today. Hooray! I can't wait for us to work together to get you where you want to be. Hey, Kirsty. Hey, Kim. So lately, I've been thinking about things that are small and things that are big and things that are somewhere in between. Okay, well, that's really esoteric. Do you want to say more about that? (laughs) I could say a lot more about it. Because today we're featuring Carter Higgins and Daniel Miaris' book, Big and Small and In Between. This book definitely covers some big topics and some small ones. And, of course, some that are in between. We're excited to talk with Carter, Daniel, and their editor, Taylor Norman. Let's get started. So, Carter, we're so happy about this book, Big and Small and In Between, it really captures all of those different sized emotions that we all feel. And Kirstie and I were talking earlier about how after reading the first few pages, it really feels like this is the book I didn't know my heart needed. And I'm so glad that you knew that my heart needed it or that all of our hearts (laughs) needed this book. How did you know that? Where did you get the idea for this story? I love that so much. And I love that you said feelings because that was not something 
that I was really aware of when I was first writing it. Um, I went back to my early drafts of this and it's it, publishing timelines are sometimes so long that it feels like this really fun time travel to dig through early versions of things. And I'll, things is actually an interesting word. For the longest time, we were calling this a collection of things. That's what it was in my head. Um, I was writing this in the fall of 2016, in the middle of an election cycle, kind of um, bleak news. And I wasn't writing it to turn it into a book necessarily. I think that's always maybe a hope, but um, I was teaching at the time and I had small snippets of time and that translated really well to keeping a list of things that kept me calm and happy and grounded. Um, and for a while, it was just small things that felt important that what, what small things can I grab onto to help? Um, and there was an early line in, in an early draft that was something like, um, this is a collection of small things, but the list is pretty big. And I thought that was kind of interesting, like a long list, a really big list of small things, um, which then sort of translated really well to, well, if these are the small things, what are the big things? That's and, an interesting juxtaposition. Yeah. And it was... I didn't realize that I don't think until I started talking with Taylor that it was more than just physical things. <laughs> that word was mm -hmm. so implanted in my brain, but it was feelings and emotions and experiences uh, and moments. It's beautiful. Yeah. It's so beautiful. It's so beautiful. Oh, I'm so excited about this book. <laughs> <laughs> so Taylor, what was it about this story that made you want to acquire it? Well, it's funny. I was going, I was also going through some of our early correspondence about this and it's amazing. This one really, this one took a lot of time, strangely. Um, one of the things I said to Carter, Carter and I, when I signed this book on, we had done, um, we had three books under our belt together. Um, Everything You Need for a Treehouse, This Is Not a Valentine and Bikes for Sale had all been um, signed up. They weren't out yet, but they were all um, underway. And this book, I said to Carter, more than any of the others, other than the Treehouse book, it, feel, it felt to me like her brain and my brain were overlapping in the best <laughs> way. Like I loved, what I really loved about it was the ability to take any moment and anything and see the big parts of it, the small parts of it, and the in-between parts of it at the same time. And it was a way I had never really articulated about seeing the world, but was obviously present in, in everything. Um, and all it takes is really, you know, I, the example of the ocean spread, um, it recurs three times, once in big, once in small and once in, in between. And it only takes that one instance to then kind of extrapolate from there and apply that reading of, of the world to everything you look at. Right. And I love that. I love that you, that it was kind of an instructive um, like life manual um, via these visual moments and sometimes emotional moments. Um, it really, it hit right at the core of me um, as Carter's writing always does, but, but there was something about um, just the way this would change how I saw the world. that I knew it would change how readers would also see the world. I could not say no to it after that. Oh, I totally understand. It's so poetic and so beautiful. And then the illustrations just, are gorgeous. They're stunning. So what was the illustrator selection process like for you, Taylor? 
it's not a linear story. It's not even really, it's, it's kind of a concept book, but you also want it to have a linearity that, that connects the whole world so that it's not one of the things Carter and I talked about a lot is like, we don't want this to just be kind of random vignettes. We want it to be structured in a way. So whoever we found was going to have to be someone who had a real vision for it. Um, and Daniel, as soon as we sent it to you, I remember your agents actually didn't go back and look at this email, but in my memory, your agents wrote back and had, they were like, Daniel has a very clear vision about this and he does want to do it, but only if we can do this version of it and your version of it, I'll let you speak to it, Daniel, but it was so immediately accessible to my brain, but also something I could not picture. Um, and, and that, um, that duality is always interesting to me when I'm like, oh, I see where your brain's going, but I'm happy that I'm not the one doing this job because I couldn't <laughs> make it myself. Um, and you're, you had a very clear vision from it. I think from the time you first read the manuscript and that, that was what I was looking for in an illustrator, somebody who knew what to do with this at the time. It was literally called a collection of things. Like, how can we structure this? Um, so Daniel's, Daniel's vision really um, just confirmed what we were looking for. I love that. So then is that what made you want to say yes to working on it? Because you had such a clear vision for it, Daniel? When I consider manuscripts um, for projects, I, I usually like to just spend, you know, a long weekend, like just reading and rereading and, and thinking over something. And I usually think, okay, if I read it before I go to bed and then I go to sleep and I wake up and I think, I, how can I not do this? You know, I can't go on living if I don't do this project. You know, that's usually when I sign up a book, you know, because <laughs> I don't, I don't want to spend so much time on a project um, that really creatively is a drain or emotionally I, I just can't get up for. And, and so I, I really have to have to be compelled to do it in that way first. But, but reading Carter's manuscript, um, you know, at first I was, I was blown away by, I call it breathing room. You know, there's, there's a breathing room to this manuscript. If you just read the words that, you know, almost like your mind takes a pause between each grouping of, of lines. Right. And, um, and I felt that initially and I thought, well, gosh, well, that's my play space. That's where, that's where we need to envelop the reader into this kind of safe space for them to have these realizations because, because what she wrote are these, these wonderful um, little roadmaps of childhood, um, you know, the, that they can follow. But I needed to come up with a way to to help surround um, myself as a reader at that moment, but also future readers, you know, give them a place to have those experiences. And so, so that that was really appealing, you know, because that's like a reason for me to be, uh, you know, at the party, so to speak. Uh, but. <laughs> But, but again, there was also like, it was a longer piece. Like I read through this thing and I thought, gosh, um, I, I don't want to mash this up into a 32 page or 40 page book. And so, so right away, I knew that if, if I were to take it on, I'd really want to try to make, you know, each state, you know, each spread a statement and leave room for the reader to have a quiet moment. Right. So there's not like six ideas going on in any one spread and but that meant it had to be like a hundred pages or so. And I thought, well, that's, that might be a deal breaker. Um, but that's kind of where I was coming from. Um, and so that, that's kind of, uh, you know, when I started that way, but then there's also the chapter element too, you know, it just seemed like breaking it up into these chapters was also going to need to be unique. And, and that also needed, you know, uh, an idea that, that would help 
hold it together, but also invite discovery into the process, you know, so you don't get bored along the way, but, but it's also, um, I want you to have a physical discovery as well as an emotional one. And so that, that needed to happen too. And so all those things were just swirling around in my head and I thought, wow, this, <laughs> this could be a great adventure. So yes, sign, sign me up. <laughs> <laughs> well, you totally succeeded. It's so beautiful. It's so beautiful. And Daniel's agent came back. It was actually kind of a relief because his initial vision was that each, each um, stanza would get its own page. And that's why it's so long. Um, but I had really had a hard time thinking like, how could we combine more, one, more of these on one page? Like it, it sort of forces the narratives to overlap in ways that they might not otherwise. And Daniel found really interesting ways to, to make these three kids worlds overlap, but picturing that happening on one spread just felt very busy and kind of counter to what Carter was going for with exactly what you're saying, the breathing room of this text. So when that came back as the, as the sort of vision that we had to go with, I was, I was very happy with that idea. It felt like exactly what the book needed. And I hadn't thought of it myself, but it, as soon as it was said, I was like, of course. It works. <laughs> yeah, it works so well. That. And the way that you wrote this, Carter, in such a poetic way, it does invite readers to pause and to reflect. And then the art, the way that you did it, Daniel, there is this great synergy between the words, the text, and the art. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. So, Carter, one of the things that stands out so strongly is that also as we're reading, we feel this sense of connection. What was the writing process like for this story, and how did you do that? Yes, please tell us how you did that. <laughs> I, I remember um, when Daniel was talking about his ideas for the book and um, the word gallery was in the conversation. And I think that describes exactly what they were just saying, that each each thing, each moment has some space, a physical space on the page. Um, and then if I go backwards from that, writing it was actually very similar um, because I was so busy at the time I was teaching, I don't, I'm not a writer anyway, that has hours of time to devote to it. My brain doesn't work that way. It doesn't actually sound that fun often. Um, <laughs> but if I have five or six minutes to think of one itty bitty moment, um, kind of the, the way that time squeezed <laughs> helped to create these very distinct, um, uh, items, this sort of catalog of, of stuff. Um, so that's how the writing process went. This was something that took a, took a long time um, because I was just sort of constantly marinating in um, observing the, the world and trying to translate and see where that would fit into which, um, into which category. So in some ways, I don't really remember um, because I don't remember, you know, like, which of my favorite writing sweatpants I was wearing to draft this book. It was just like, I was grabbing moments here and there as well. And um, maybe synergy <laughs> helped a little bit to infuse um, the manuscript with some of that um, feeling. It's All so interesting, moments. Carter, that like, it's so interesting 
what you say in writing it that you started with the small, these small moments kind of in 2016. One thing I noticed when we were going back and forth about this is that we both, we both were like, the small section is really poignant. How can we inject more of that poignancy into the big and in between sections? And it's interesting to me that like the small moments are easily more easily graspable. There's something about big that's like, it's almost harder, even though they're the more visible components of life, it's harder to name which of those things are important and, and poignant and kind of symbolic in a way that the small things were easier, weirdly. It's so satisfying to work with you, Taylor, because you do something like I love this description of our overlapping brain, <laughs> brains. So often our conversations are like, or your, your questions to me are like, what are you actually doing? <laughs> what are you actually <laughs> saying? And often I'm like, I don't, I don't really know. So <laughs> fun of um, sort of digging through, like, what is your brain actually doing and seeing and noticing? And um, you point out how that's different. You know, I don't always know that because it's how I live and see. That's beautiful. Yeah. yeah. Can you give us any more insights into what the editing process was like? Taylor, was there anything else that stands out to you? Yeah. So, um, one of the, I was looking at one of my early edit letters and my overarching thesis was like, basically it's in great shape. We, it was, it's, it was not, it arrived with, you would recognize it when you, when, if you read the original manuscript, like it's in, it's very, it's very similar to where it was. What we, what we did that was kind of big. I'm sorry if there's a squawking in the background, my 10 month old son is crawling around having a Yay. joyous time <laughs> uh, hearing about the creative process. We love the um, joy. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. Small thing. Exactly. That's so big at the same time. Yes. Um, <laughs> um, so we, let's see. Uh, one of the things we did was making sure that all the stanzas were as strong as possible. We kind of went through and, weeded out I had Carter do a first sort of weeding of the things that were like because it was you know like a, a collection um so we wanted to take out anything that wasn't as strong as possible so I had her do sort of a first pass on that we also looked at in the category of structuring the book so that it didn't just feel like a random assortment we ordered each section so that it ended on the night um, so that wasn't sort of just all over the place. We wanted to kind of, we could, we could go through multiple days over the course of the book, but we didn't want to, we, we wanted each of those sections to sort of feel like it had its own conclusion. Um, and then we wanted to have the book to have a sort of overarching conclusion too, so that you left feeling like, okay, I, I see all these things. I experienced big, I experienced small and in between. And now what? <laughs> we 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 needed to have a now what so that was something that like we added later on in the process um and then I think Carter was I think it might have been we talked a lot about the order of sizing it I yeah, believe I that it originally was small small big in between maybe yeah, and, and, and you were like, is there a reason that in-between comes after big? And I was like, no, I don't know. <laughs> I very clearly remember that. But then we, start, we decided to start with big and then go in-between and then go small. And, and we added something at the end. But there was this sense of, of starting big and zooming way in so that as you're turning the pages of the book, you're almost like completing that 
um, sh shrinking. That's probably the wrong word, but yeah, <laughs> yeah very satisfying to end. It's small. It definitely makes sense. And Daniel, you did such a good job with yes. all of the illustrations. They Thank are you. breathtaking and they really do make us pause and wonder. And it's actually also soothing, which is interesting. It's like a very calming, <laughs> soothing book. Can you share a little bit about the illustration process? You know, right off the bat, you know, I felt like, you know, this was going to be a, a slightly different project for me um, and the way I work. And and if you look at my other books, you know, I I feel like illustration style and approach for me is just a wall of dials, you know, and there. I only have so many dials on my wall. Other illustrators might have more, but, but when I approach a project, I'm thinking about, you know, what sort of emotional push does this project need and what, how my, and how you approach a project really supports that in a subconscious way. And so on this one, um, in talking with Taylor, um, her and Jennifer Tolo Pierce were, were like, based on my sketches I had done for, um, when I was dummying the thing up, um, I said, you know, what if you, highlighted your drawings heavily in this project and for the finishes. And I was like, well, what if, you know, I hadn't done that, um, on a finished project before. And so, um, or at least a book project. And so I thought, well, okay, let me give it a shot. And so it, it just seemed like a nice extension of the energy that was, um, going on in the, the roughs and the sketches that kind of got us to where we were. And so I, I, kind of went after that to, to figure out how I was going to approach these illustrations. And then, you know, to me, drawing, drawing is like meditation. And it's funny to, it's funny to hear you say, you know, it feels like a soothing book because, you know, to me, it was, it was this meditation on childhood and drawing, you know, the whole time making this book, um, in the winter, you know, of 2020, you know, like, like the world's kind of coming down and, um, you know, and I had this safe space to just meditate and, and work on this. And, um, you know, and to me, that was, that was just a wonderful gift, um, to get to do that and approach my illustrations that way. Um, I mean, I'm glad to hear that that does come through, um, in the final product once I've been separated out from it, um, because, you know, it was, was very much that way for me in the process. And, you know, and the challenge of it, the whole thing was like Taylor uh, mentioned, it was, you know, how do you have these storylines that that kind of fold into one another in a way that the reader doesn't have to think about it, you know, um, because if they're thinking about it, you know, the, the gig is up, you know, it's like you, you just want them to experience it and, and keep on rolling. But I love the idea of children having different things that they're dealing with, you know, um, because we all do and we all did. And um, and so you know, I wanted to think about that a lot, you know, how can I approach this imagery to get through the, the narrative elements that are going to do that? So the drawing anchors it, the color is very um, conceptual, you know, throughout, which I think in my work a lot, I find that I, my comfort zone is using color conceptually. Um, and, and so here that, that made a lot of sense too, you know, cause there's a lot of narrative storytelling going on, a lot of things to figure out. Color had to work for a pop fold as well as in an ink on paper spread, um, you know, of a, a lush forest or just a snail crawling along the ground, you know, it had to do all those things. So, so I, I, I tailored my approach to hopefully do those things. It's so beautiful. And I, I feel like the art takes the already amazing text that is poetic and creates so much emotion. And then it, 
creates like additional emotion. We were such a good team for this book because we remember so clearly what it felt like to be a child. Probably that's why we're in the business that we are in. <laughs> and it was so interesting being able to hear you say, it, it, I just remembered that, yeah, like you were doing art for this in 2020. I was doing text for this in 2016. We as grownups were living through times that were tricky and we turned to art <laughs> Mm-hmm. To remember how to um, how to understand, how to gain perspective, how to feel some sense of peace, and I hope that's what kids reading this will also feel that this is a book that immerses them in a world, even though we're grownups and they're kids. Like we have the same um, interactions with the world that sometimes is sort of big and overwhelming. Carter, that's funny because actually we have one more question for each of you. You kind of almost answered it, but we're going to start, Taylor, with you. When someone reads this book, what do you hope they feel or learn? I don't know that they need to learn anything explicitly. What I hope they feel is I hope they feel seen and I hope that they feel that the small moments in their life are big components of who they are as people. Fantastic. Definitely. Daniel, how about you? When someone reads this book, what do you hope they feel or learn? I hope that for one, it's, um, for one, it's something that readers will want to pick up, you know, and makes it into their hands. Um, but also I hope that, um, as I was working on this, I I thought, man, the, it, it was a very, um, very long discovery process for me. And I I hope that young readers come away with just a fulfilling um, experience of discovery, you know, and maybe it would encourage them to be curious about how they feel about it. I love that. What about you, Carter? What do you hope they feel or learn? I I hope it's an an experience. I I think that um, you can open this book on the first page and read it through to the end. But I, I kind of like the idea too of someone just like flipping through and seeing the goldfish or seeing the little girl on stage with her triangle and and just sitting in that moment for for a minute. I think there's a lot of ways into this book and I hope, hope it makes them feel something. A big thank you to Carter, Daniel, and Taylor for joining us today and giving us a look into the creative process for big and small and in between. Check out the show notes to learn more about Carter and Daniel and their other fabulous work. Don't forget to follow the podcast so you won't miss an episode. And we would love it if you would leave a review. Thanks for listening and happy looking. Picture Book Look is produced by Kirsty Call and Kim Chafee. Music by James Call. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Remember to use code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. Place your money line 
prop, or parlay bets with the king of sportsbooks today. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotion, promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C.